I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the files of the AYR. Yowiehunters.com town surrounded by a desolate, dusty wasteland for thousands of kilometres. It sits close to the Northern Territory border on a bed of red, sandy dirt and rock, which is barren and dry, and towns are far and few between. If it wasn't for the discovery of minerals, iron, zinc, silver and copper, the town wouldn't exist. There's no reason for humans to inhabit such an unhospitable environment. Interestingly, in 1923, A prospector by the name of John Miles, who was the man who stumbled across what is now known as the world's richest mineral deposit, made comment that it strongly reminded him of Broken Hill, which has a remarkably similar terrain and holds the same valuable minerals. Another plain of unhospitable red dusty dirt, and another location you'd never expect to encounter a Yowie. But they did, and on multiple occasions. In fact, there's more than one coincidence in this story. It's what we like to call high strangeness. In 1979, at the age of 15, Terry Harding was working as a jackaroo at Admore Station, Mount Isa. While sitting having dinner with a group of white and black workers at their camp, a creature that resembled a small ape appeared only 10 metres away. It left the men speechless, and their dog dead. It's here, I'll pass you over to Paul Cropper. As I say, welcome to Mount Isa. Yeah, I was only a 15-year-old kid. I was working on Ardmore Station up near the Isa. It was a steamboat station at that, at that time. It was just on dusk and we were sort of sitting around having dinner. We were sort of sitting on our swags with a plate on our knee sort of thing. The cook had a, had a caravan in the camp. He had a border collie pup tied up under the van. This dog just literally started screaming its head off and you, you know, I've never heard a dog, I've never heard a dog yelp like it. It was just horrific. We all looked over and this thing was standing in front of it. We were all looking at its back. You couldn't really see the dog, but it wasn't moving. Like the yowie wasn't moving. It wasn't, didn't seem to be attacking it. It was just standing there, and then the dog was silent. It was just, you know, you could hear a pin drop. This thing sort of loped off side on, you know, and I, like my view was side on, and um, the dog was dead. And uh, yeah, I, I believe the dog just died of fright. I think its heart gave out. This was on a station in... Um... Yeah, on a, on a 2,000 square mile cattle station. That's mm-hmm. 1,768,000 acres. The, the location is between Mount Isa and Dajara. You'd, you'd have a pretty good idea where, where um, Mount Isa is. Mm. I, I was working there as a jackaroo 
I was employed by Steambrake Pastoral Company. There were there was about twelve of us. There was a few blackfellas, a few Aboriginals there, and some other uh, white ringers. But yeah, we all saw it. It was on dusk. It was probably around this time of the year. Probably, a, I think, at a rough guess, it was probably around September, October. So I, I'm, I'm thinking it must have been around sort of 6 p.m. And this was in 1979. 1979, yes. And I'll tell you a really freaky thing about that. The same day it happened, I got a letter from my mum. Now, she had cut out a story, uh, an article from the Women's Weekly and put it in the letter. Now, she had no way of knowing that I was camped in exactly the same place as this story took place. But the story was about a camp, at some men that were camped at the Eight Mile Camp on Ardmore Station, exactly the same place, back in the 1950s. And this was in this article that she sent me in the in her letter. Now, apparently they were they were they were sleeping in tents, like two men to a tent. One of these guys was called Roy. He was an Aboriginal Chinese guy. His mate woke up in the middle of the night, and Roy was screaming his head off, and he was disappearing under the side of the tent. Now I'm getting goosebumps telling you this. Mm. His mate grabbed his shoulders and, and started pulling back the other way to, to, to hold, you know, like it was a tug of war between whatever had him and, and his mate. And his mate won. His mate pulled him back into the tent, but his legs were cut to ribbons, almost down to the bone. So that was the story in this article. And I got that story. I got that. I got that article in, in a letter from my mum the exact same day as we had the Yowie experience. Did, did that letter arrive before your experience or after? Hours before, a couple of hours before. Just take me through what you were all doing and who first noticed it. How did it come to your attention and, and how far um, was the animal from you? The animal was possibly only about 30 feet from me. It came to my attention because the dog was yelping. And we all looked up, you know, like this dog was literally screaming and, and, and we all sort of looked and, and here was this thing standing in front of it. Uh, we were having dinner. I was sitting on my swag. I had a um, enamel plate on the knee. Yeah, we were eating. Yeah, here was this thing, it's like a small ape, brown, long hair, long brown hair, and it was standing in front of this dog and we couldn't really see it. Oh see the dog because of the you know the yowie then you know the, this dog was literally screaming its head off and then it was just dead silent how tall do you think this animal was not that tall um it from what the the blackfellas told me up there they called it janjari they say there's two different types they say the big one is a big tall one and they call that, uh, he, he's like a herbivore, he's a plant eater. But the little one, this Janjari, they call him the meat eater. They reckon they're the ones to look out for. They're the ones you, you don't want to get, you know, <laughs> you want to, you wanna, yeah, not get involved with. But that's, that's what they, they were saying, and they were calling it a Janjari. 
and, and they tracked it for a little while, and then they reckon the tracks just stopped, nothing. Yeah, it's my belief that they're interdimensional. I, I really think that they can sort of come into our world and then disappear back into theirs. You said it was small, yep. but, I mean, how tall do you think this thing was? It's hard to say because it was stooped over. It wasn't, it wasn't standing straight. You know, like a, a chimp or an ape would, would run with its knuckles dragging on the ground. So it had that sort of stoop. If it was straight, probably five foot. Mm. Say it wasn't skinny like a rake, but it wasn't big like a gorilla either. It was, it was solid, but there was a lot of hair on it. Brown mm. hair, long brown hair. Definitely a darker brown, like a kelpie colour, mm. like a red kelpie colour. It was longish hair. It was thick. Yeah, longer than a, a bear's hair. You get a, if you were sort of looking at a long-haired border collie, about about that length. How long did you have it in view for? Do you think? It seemed a bit like slow motion. It probably happened a lot quicker. I mean, yeah, there was this initially, you know, standing in front of the dog, and then and then it sort of after the dog was dead, it sort of it. it stopped, you know, yelping, it just sort of loped off. It didn't look at us. We were right there, but it didn't look at us. And uh, the blackfellas were saying that's, you know, it's really rare for them to show themselves in front of white people. They said, we see them all the time, but for it to show itself in front of white people was really, really rare. So what was the general discussion? It lopes off. Then what did what was the discussion that went around the group? Because there was quite a few of you there. What what was the reaction? T- tell me what happened. Everybody was sort of speechless. We were all just looking at each other and jaws dropped and more googly-eyed and like, what the bloody hell was that? But, you know, the blackfellas were saying that Janjari, Janjari, and and the, the dog. You know, we went over and and the dog was dead and. <sighs> So, yeah, that was one of the first things. We checked out the dog. I can't remember. I mean, this is 1979. I can't remember the exact conversation, but I, I, I know, you know, we went to look at the dog and then um, and then there were a couple of the blacks there, that, a couple of blackfellas there, they sort of started following tracks. They tracked it for a little while and they reckoned that the tracks just stopped. It was, it was like, yeah, nothing more. I didn't hear any sound from it um, or a smell. I do recall several weeks later, I had to go back through that area with a mob of horses because we used to walk cattle like two, 3,000 head at a time from one end of the station down to the other. What had happened was the horse tailor had quit. The horse tailor just basically looks after the horses so he doesn't drive the cattle with the with everyone else he's driving he's driving the horses he's walking the horses home so that's what I was doing I had 50 horses I had to basically go straight back through where that camp was I could feel it hey it was like (sighs) chills were going up my back and every hair was standing on end on my head it was just I couldn't get out of there quick enough and the horses were reacting. They were all stirred up and, you know, wanting to gallop off and just went real spooky. That was, 
you know, weeks later, possibly a month later. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm guessing on that. But was there much discussion with the owners of the station, or was it wasn't it, you know was it mentioned beyond the twelve people? No. When you're living and working with a lot of blackfellas too, that they sort of talk about incidents, things like that, all the time. Mm. Really, for for you know tribal or half tribal Aboriginals, that's not so rare. You know, it kind of, I guess, didn't get the attention that it might have in a more in an in an area like Victoria or something like that. You know. Did the Aboriginals tell you much else apart from that it was Janjari and, you know, were they excited when they saw it? Yes, and they talked about times they'd seen them before that related to a whole lot of stories about other sightings of them, but they reckon they reckon that was, one was Janjari, the meat-eater. Have you heard that word before? Yes, yes, I have, yeah. Can you describe how it moved when it was walking? Was it walking like a human, striding? It wasn't straight, it was more bent over, it was sort of, uh, you know, a bit like with the knuckles dragging on the ground sort of thing, it was sort of, you know how a chimp or a orangutan all sort of stoop? So, yeah, it was a bit like that, it wasn't standing with a straight spine, it was it was sort of hunched over in the shoulders, it had a bit of a an ambling sort of a trot, I guess, like someone jogging, someone jogging fast. It's not the first time we've had reports of dog injuries and deaths, and it's worth noting it's also not the first time we've heard from Indigenous people referring to the smaller Jinjadis as being particularly dangerous. And we're also no strangers being told of tracks simply stopping and leading nowhere. To watch our audio report on our YouTube channel, go to yowiehunters.com, audio reports, and scroll down to audio report number 100. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.